1: A woman came to Jesus, you know the story, she had a flow of blood for 12 years. Now get this, Leviticus chapter 15, that's your homework. It says if a woman were to bleed past her normal time of the month, that she was deemed unclean and diseased. She wasn't able to go to church or synagogue and wherever she sat, it was considered unclean and had to be ceremonially cleansed. And if you came over to her house and sat on her furniture, you had to be cleansed. And if you hugged her, you had to be ceremonially cleansed. This woman who had this issue of blood for 12 years hadn't had a hug, a kiss, a handshake, a pat on the back. She hadn't hugged her kids in 12 years if she had kids. Can you think of you having children and you can't hug them? I can't think. I, I, we just had a grandbaby, Lucy. She's so cute her and her fat head. But babies are cute when they have fat heads, a fat head baby. That's my little fat head. Let your say amen. I can't imagine not hugging her for 12 years, not touching her, not, 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 not holding her. And I'm not a doctor. And this woman with this issue of, of blood for 12 years, I'm not a doctor, although she must have been dizzy a lot faint, lightheaded with all kinds of symptoms. I'm sure she'd been to the doctor and, and, and she keep, they keep giving her stuff and trying stuff and nothing's working. And they keep giving her pills and more bills and nothing is helping. And so you have a physically, emotionally, financially stressed, depressed woman for 12 years, and now she's bankrupt. And this woman was a sick and sad and hurting, lonely, rejected woman with no hope. And so she heard about Jesus. You know the story. And she heard that he was eating with sinners. And she's thinking, this is my chance. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. And when she touched the hem of Jesus, she also touched the heart of Jesus. Because at that moment, something happened in her and she was healed. And at that moment, something happened in Jesus because something, some virtue or power went out of him. And Jesus stopped and he turned and he said, who touched me? And the woman was fearful, and she came, and she told Jesus the whole story. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. I find it interesting. Jesus said, who touched me? There were hundreds, even thousands in the multitude of people bumping into each other, and Jesus says, who touched me? I think a church. I think of hundreds of people who come to church, but only few actually touch Jesus. Some people come to church because it's Sunday and it's a religious thing to do. But you come, but you can't wait until church is over because you got to have fun. It's Memorial Day weekend, man, you like, Pastor Rodney, hurry up. We got to get those ribs on so I can get you a plate of those ribs. You need to get them, get over here. Hurry up. Well, it's a fun weekend and we're thinking, you know, we're in church because it's a religious thing to do. Versus we're in church because we need to hear from God. And we, you know, I've heard of churches who the pastor can't preach more than 25 minutes. I've heard churches like that. Anybody else? The pastor preach more than 20. Folks be looking at their watch, right? Sitting right up front doing like this. Shaking their keys. Let me tell you something. You can shake your keys. And we're going to have to have you removed, okay? Look, if you don't want to be here, hallelujah. <laughs> Sometimes you, something in your head, you just got to say hallelujah. So you don't say what you're thinking. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. Nobody keep you here. nobody. The doors aren't locked with no chains on the door. Go. Shaking keys, that ain't going to work. You shake your keys, I'm preaching longer. Y'all be shaking keys, we'll be here at 9 o'clock tonight. Cause y'all know I can talk. (laughs) You know, you come to church, people come to church week after week and month after month and year after year, but they never reach out and touch Jesus. Can I tell you something? When you reach out and touch Jesus in faith, Jesus will touch you and he will bless you. Notice in verse 12 in your Bibles, Jesus saw the woman with the issue of blood as we talked about and touched and healed her. And Jesus, look at verse 12, please. And Jesus saw this woman. I love that. Jesus saw, underline it, Jesus saw her. You know, some people say, I've got an eye for graphics. I've got an eye for decorating. I've got an eye for painting. I've got an eye for carpentry. And I can just see it. I've got an eye for it. Well, Jesus has an eye for the hurting. And he called her, and he reached out to her, and he said, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and she stood up. Now, understand something. Jesus' response was not socially expected or even accepted because women in that culture were ignored. Because Jesus doesn't care, listen, about cultural norms. Jesus cares about compassion. And it seems that women and lepers and prostitutes and tax collectors and widows and the hurting and the helpless and the hopeless, they get special attention from Jesus. Why? Because Jesus cares for hurting people. He has a great compassion for hurting people. I think of Matthew chapter 9 in verse 35 through 36. And it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with what saints? Compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. The Greek word for compassion is splachanea. Doesn't that sound like something you cough up? Splachanea. And it means, and it refers to the intestine or the bowels or the deep-seated place of emotion. We would say our gut feeling. Jesus was moved with compassion because he saw the people were in bad shape. And they were weary, and they were depressed, and they were distressed, and they were bent over, torn, and ripped. And no, he didn't have pity. He had compassion. You know, somebody once said, pity weeps and walks away. Compassion comes to help and stay. You know, it's amazing to me. Amazing. I can't get my head around this. Give me your attention. Why is it that Christians are some of the least compassionate people that I know? Christians are so... Uncompassionate. When in fact, everybody's talking about, I want to be like God. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like God. I want God to work in my life so I can be more like him. Well, if you want to be more like Jesus, then one of the characteristics of Jesus is compassion. And Christians, man, we see somebody sin or we see some brother falling in sin. It's like, I can't believe you did it. You're a Christian. You ought to know better. Holy Spirit's in you. That's my... Condemnation voice. (laughs) Christians, we shoot our wounded when we should be showing compassion. Why? Because God was compassionate to you. Don't you remember or have you forgotten? God pulled you out of a pit. You did not come into the world as a Christian, not unless your last name is Christian. I tell you that because there was this guy. One time I'm, I'm preaching my heart out. I'm sweating like right now. I'm preaching my heart out. I'm doing good. And I'm preaching, man. I'm going in. I said, let me tell you something. You were not born a Christian. Well, after service, this guy comes up to me. and He says, uh, Pastor Rodney, uh, I was born a Christian. I'm like, oh, no, you were not. No one was born a Christian. I'm telling you, we all came to Christ. He demonstrated his love. I went my whole spiel. And he said to me, oh, my last name is Christian. And I said, shut up and get out. (laughs) Never forget that. But God was compassionate to us. The Lord came and found us. You know, one of my favorite verses, you might want to write this down. It's a memory verse, Psalm 40, verse 2. And it says, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps. God pulled every single one of us out of the pit and placed our feet on solid ground. And how quickly we forget. How quickly we forget at one time we were bent over, broken, and the Lord lifted us up. He forgave us and he cleansed us and he straightened out our path. He made the crooked way straight in our lives. I am a witness. What he's done for me, he can do for you. He will do for you. You need to clap your hands for the Lord because that's exciting and that's awesome. What God wants to do for you. What God has done through with millions and billions of Christians who have the quarters of time, He does that, that's what He does. He pulls people up out of a pit, and he doesn't wait for you to come to him to pull you up out of that pit sometime like this woman, He sees you. Did you get this this woman? Unlike the woman with the issue of blood who came to Jesus for healing, this woman did not come to Jesus for healing. She was walking by the synagogue. Synagogues were not like churches today. We've got four walls and you can't see outside. Well, synagogues, you go to Jerusalem with us in January, and I'll take you to the synagogue in Capernaum where Jesus preached. And synagogues were just like open structures. They just had pillars and, and maybe along the back, there were the built-in cement steps and people would sit around on these cement steps and the preacher would sit in the center and the preacher would sit. I love that idea. And the preacher would sit in the center and he would preach the word, but you could see on the outside, it was just like being outdoors, like this outdoor amphitheater kind of thing. So Jesus is sitting there and this woman comes walking by And Jesus said, woman, be loosed and be healed. She didn't come to him. He came to her. Jesus saw her. Are you getting me? Jesus, are you getting me? Jesus saw her. And Jesus will see you. And, and, And he will come to you. This is right in line with the scriptures. It says that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? He died for us. He came to us and he died for us and he pulled us out of a pit like this woman. Notice in verse 12 again in your Bibles, when he saw her, he said, I love this woman. He saw her, he said, Woman. I wonder when is the last time she heard that? Woman. Oh, I'm sure she heard freak. I'm sure she heard monstrosity, cripple. But when's the last time? Again, the compassionate Jesus. When's the last time she heard the word woman? He referred to her as as a woman. And he said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he touched her and immediately she was standing up straight. Do you know, listen, it is no problem for Jesus to touch an impossible situation. No problem. You know, somebody once said, I'll wait. You know, somebody once said that there's nothing too hard for God. I'd say this, there's nothing even hard for God. There's no situation that is too impossible for him to touch. I mean, think about this, 18 years this woman was in this condition. We don't know when the condition, I try to read a story and get behind it, so that you can to illuminate it. To Think about things maybe, the, the white space I call it. What's not there? Well, we don't know when this condition began. It could have been when she was 10, and now she's 28. It could have been when she was 20. We don't know how old she is. It could have been when she was 20 and now she's 38. We don't know. But she was in this condition for 18 years and 18 years in that condition, the bones have changed, the, 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 the muscles have atrophied certain muscles and, and, and her physiologically, she has changed. But when Jesus spoke to her, the bones had grown together. The muscles that had never been used were in place when he told them to be there. And immediately she was straightened and she glorified God. You see, when Jesus heals somebody, listen, perhaps you'll agree. When Jesus heals somebody, he really heals them. And it is bona fide and it is verified. When God does something, he does it well he does it good. Can you say amen? He does it well and he does it good. He created the world and in the end he said, and it was good. He does things well and he does it good and he doesn't do a half job. And if God heals you, let me tell you something. You do not have to walk around and and claim your healing, even though you're not really healed. You don't have to walk around bent over and saying, I'm claiming my healing. I know it doesn't look like I'm healed, but by faith, uh, I claim it. Uh. No, you don't have to do that. Some people, oh, that's a negative confession, bro. That's a negative confession. Well, man, I'm not feeling well. Oh, but one guy told me that. He said, I said, I'm not feeling well. He goes, oh, that's a negative confession. Man, you can't, don't say that.
0: Don't say that.
1: It's a negative confession. I'm oh, a man I just got a cold. Oh, stop saying that. It's gonna get worse. Man, I gotta okay, I won't say it, I won't say it. Huh? Okay, I won't say it. I won't say it. You don't have to name it and claim it and grab hold of it and speak it into existence. When God heals you, you are healed. And Jesus laid his hands on this woman and she was ecstatic, and she's jumping and she's leaping and she's probably doing some Jack exercises. Maybe it's, what is it, PX2. PX, what is it? See, some of y'all doing it, ain't you? PX90. Y'all like PX90. Yeah, she probably, was, I mean, she was excited. And think about her walk home. Think about her walk home. Here she is walking by and she sees some guy she goes, Hey, Bill, yo, man. And Bill goes, up. She's going. Yeah, man, he what, was going on. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, that this has a woman that was a she was like this and like this and she was like this and look at her. Look at her. Look what God has done and think about the next day. This woman, I don't know, she probably didn't go to sleep that night." She's, st- she's just up doing extra jack exercises all night long. I mean, she's just up. She's, she's excited, and, and she's, she's sitting up, sitting up, sitting up, reading her Bible, sitting up, go to the bathroom, look in the mirror. Oh, wow, look at that. Combing her hair. Wow, that's a first. She, she hadn't done this in 18 years, and she's healed. Now, notice in verse 14 as we move in. Notice, because Jesus healed her on the Sabbath, did you get this? The ruler of the synagogue, fascinating, unbelievable. The ruler of the synagogue was angry. And he said, there are six days that work can be done. If you want to be healed, come on those days, but not on the Sabbath. The thing he doesn't realize, listen, is setting people free and straightening lives out is not work for Jesus. It's joy for Jesus. And then Jesus gives them an example. If you have an ox or a donkey and you lose him on the Sabbath and you give him water, that's okay. But here we have a daughter of Abraham and Satan has bound her. Shouldn't she be loose on the Sabbath day? You see, Jesus is making a point. If basic compassion, there's a word again, If basic compassion can be shown to animals on the Sabbath, what's the problem with showing compassion to a suffering woman? You see, the ruler of the synagogue, he was a Pharisee and a legalist. And all he cared about was the letter of the law and not mercy and faith and rightness. And Jesus is asking him, what's more important, law or love? Actually, Jesus is being a bit harsh here. You get that? But Jesus is always harsh with religious people. Search the Bible. Search the scriptures. And you will find that Jesus is never harsh with the needy. Jesus is never harsh with the prostitute. Jesus never harsh with a drunkard or a sinner or a tax collector. Jesus never spoke harshly to the woman doubled over and bent over. He never spoke harshly to the woman who had five husbands and the man that she was currently living with was not her husband. He never spoke harshly to her. He didn't say to her, Woe unto you, you Flucy. I haven't used that word in a while. Woe unto you. I got this. All right. (laughs) He didn't say, woe unto you, loose woman. He says to that woman, "The woman at the well, don't you know that story is a great one. He's standing there with this woman and she's had five husbands and, and she can't obviously get it right. Look, if you got five husbands and you've been divorced five times, you can't get it right. She's probably like, I'm not going to get married again. She's living with this guy. Jesus knows that. And he says to the woman, listen, woman, your problem is not that you need a man. You don't need a man. You need living water. Remember I told you the matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. The heart of this woman's matter is not the fact that she had been married five times, divorced five times, Elizabeth Taylor, she's catching up with her. No, that wasn't the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is she needed living water, and they're standing by a well. And I get the impression that this woman and Jesus are standing there by the well. This woman came out to get water. She didn't know she had a divine appointment. And she comes out to get water, and Jesus is standing there, and Jesus says, you need living water. He says, "In the water that I will give you, you will never thirst again. Jesus was telling this woman, if you continue to, to drink of the dirty wells of the world or the dirty water of the world, you will continue to thirst because the world cannot satisfy you. A man cannot satisfy you. A woman cannot satisfy you. Wives, your husband cannot satisfy you. Stop trying to look to him to do it. He can't make you complete, only Jesus, husbands, your wife cannot make you complete. I understand the union. I'm not, don't, I understand the union between a husband and wife, but I'm talking about the fact that your satisfaction and your wholeness is found in Christ. It's not found in any other individual. And even if you're not married, listen, you may not get married until you learn to be married to Jesus until you learn to love him, until you learn to, to seek him. And you're probably not even ready to get married until you get that right. Because what do you have to offer? And Jesus is saying to this woman, listen, when you get a drink of living water, you won't want the water of the world. Jesus is looking at people today who are lost and involved in sex and drugs and crack and gambling and those who are doubled over and broken and are drinking from the dirty waters of the world. And he says, come to me and I'll give you living water. This woman, she comes, she walks by, she doesn't even come to Jesus. She walks by the church and she finds a place of healing. Listen, the church, are you listening? the church should be a place of healing. Anybody agree with that? I want you to clap your hands, would you? The church should be a place of healing. Church should be a place where people come and can be refreshed. Church should be a place that people come and they're set free, that they find freedom and refreshment, almost like you know, you're out sweating all day, just maybe came from the gym or working out in the yard or doing some construction. You know how that feels. And you feel like, ugh. And then you go in, you take a shower. And after a shower, you go, ah, oh, yes, that's right. That feels good. Church should be like that. When you come to church, there should be a refreshing. You shouldn't come to church. It shouldn't be a place of condemnation. Church should be a place where those who are bent over can be made straight. Church should be a place where heavy burdens are lifted. And when you leave church, you should feel lifted and you should feel clean and you should feel like you've taken a bath. And honestly, I got to tell you, sometimes churches, we have gotten to the place where we don't, we're not washing people in the water of the word and they're leaving burdened and they're leaving heavy. You should leave here feeling lifted.